Welcome into the Bear Cave. This is your host, Bear Speaking. This is season one, episode number five. Um, we got my co-host, Matt, alongside with me, who we will get to in just a second. Um, today is May 5th, 2020. And today we're going to be talking about The Last Dance. We're going to spend the whole episode talking about The Last Dance because we haven't um, discussed it yet on the podcast. If you guys haven't watched The Last Dance, uh, I highly suggest it, even if you aren't a basketball fan. I'm sure all of you know who Michael Jordan is, and it's just a fun little doc documentary that takes you inside the mindset and what goes on with the Chicago Bulls leading up to their breakup in 1997, 1998. So, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Matt, I know you just got caught up on all of them. What are your initial thoughts on it? Like, you like it? I mean, I, I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's 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 pretty interesting knowing that, like, it's hard in today's world, especially growing up with social media, that, like, if players do stupid stuff or they do stuff that, like, normal people do, that everybody takes a video of them doing it and then puts it on social media and then it's done after two days. But, like, when you go back into this time period and you see that people were still doing that, just nobody knew about it because there was no social media. You know? There's no Twitter. There's no people posting stuff about these players. So I think it's kind of cool to see how um, – this stuff kind of still happened back then and, and nobody really knew. And I think that's why it's such a surprise um, when you hear MJ and his teammates kind of talk about the stuff they did. Yeah. It, that's obviously one of the, the biggest differences from that era to this era is the social media. Um, you wonder how Robin would have been portrayed back in the day if they had social media, even MJ, you know, and with his, his trip to him going to Vegas and, you know, him gambling and stuff like that, just, how the media is just trying to tear down everybody nowadays. But I I just – I find it interesting and cool because we're both – we both didn't get to watch Michael Jordan. Um, so this documentary is really insightful and just cool to watch and see Michael Jordan. It's like it's like I'm, we're living the moment. Like we're watching him live for the first time ever. At least that's how I feel. Do you feel like you're getting to watch MJ live? Because I, I never – we never got to do that. Right. Yeah. I mean, and like, even, even if we did, we were two, three years old, he was playing yeah. for the wizards. It just wasn't the same, you know, with what, with what he was in his prime. And so, yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like that. I mean, it's just, you kind of got to see some highlights here and there, but you never got to like hear him talk about, you know, how the games were talk, listen about Pippen and all those guys talking about the game as well. And just seeing how, like how in control that he was of basketball games. And it was, it, it's absurd to see how he would lock people down if all somebody did was tell him to do it. Like it wasn't, it was almost, he was almost robotic. And I think that was, uh, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways I've taken from this. Yeah. I mean, I think too, one thing that I'd like to just kind of follow is the mindset of MJ and just how, you know, when he came in to the NBA, it was kind of like, you know, a lot, similar to a lot of rookies nowadays and, they just wanted to, you know, show that they belonged. And MJ came came right in and showed he belonged. Um, just kind of how like LeBron did, but in a different type, in a different era, obviously. But I just like the mindset of MJ and just following that and how I don't know. Just I'm trying to compare what MJ's thinking to LeBron because everybody's always trying to compare MJ to LeBron. And I know I am, especially for watching this, because I've always thought LeBron is the GOAT. I still think LeBron is the GOAT, um, just because I'm not going to let the recency bias affect me. But it's just hard for me to say MJ is the GOAT when I never got to see him play. This helps, and this makes my decision a lot more difficult. But, I mean, what do you think? Do you, do you think MJ's the GOAT now, or did you think MJ was the GOAT before this? Or? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to – as bad it is to say, I mean, you've got to – the recency bias is going to get everybody who watches this documentary. Like, it's it's one thing to to look at his stats, and especially for people who didn't, really didn't get to see him play, you kind of look at stats and compare him to, yeah. um, to LeBron. And obviously, I think the stats would favor MJ in this situation. But when you go back and you get to watch his mindset and what he did to people – um, I think that just his whole mental side of the game is what separates him from LeBron, and I think what made him better than LeBron. You think you think MJ's stats are better than LeBron? Like if you if you had him side by side, 
Yeah, I would say so because of the league that he played in. I think that the league that MJ played in is 100 times tougher. I mean, you can watch the games and how much more physical they are, in my opinion, and more people yeah. playing defense in this day and age than they were with LeBron. And I think being able to put up 32 points a game and, I mean, he had six rings. I mean, he had three MVPs. I mean, you look at – I mean, he had 10 scoring titles, you know. So, I mean, when you – when you put that up against the defense that he was actually going against, you could see the physicality of the defense compared to what you watch LeBron, especially in the past probably five to six seasons, the defense he's going against. I think that it's more impressive with the stats that MJ put up, that he's able to pretty much put himself in the same slot of numbers that LeBron is doing right now. Yeah, I mean, the, the defense definitely back in the day, no question, was a lot more difficult, more physical. Um but I think, see, if, you, if you're going to make an argument for LeBron being the GOAT, I think most people have to go the statistical route um, just because I think a lot of people do project too, I mean, because LeBron's not done, that when he is done, he's going to have a lot of the statistical records, um, com- especially when you compare him to MJ. And I think the only argument MJ is going to have is, well, you know, I was six-time champ. I went 6-0. and uh, six finals MVPs. I think that's the argument for MJ. I think actually, I, I think the opposite. Cause I think LeBron, when you talk to people and they debate for LeBron, you know, you can't go head to head with, you know, you can't have that argument. Well, Le- LeBron's more clutch. LeBron's had more uh, finals championships. Like you can't go that argument. So you have to go the statistical route. Right. At least that's my thinking behind it. Um, but it's, I just wish LeBron would not have gone and jumped ship from Cleveland to Miami to beat the Celtics. That's I think their mindset is the exact same. They both care about winning, um, but they just went about it a different way. MJ was, I'm going to win with what I have, and I'm going to get better. I'm going to focus on me. And LeBron was, I don't think we have enough around me to beat the Celtics, so I'm going to join two other superstars which is kind of, I mean, you can say that MJ had Scotty and Dennis Rodman, but they didn't have Rodman for the first three. And Scotty was, is an all-time great player, probably top 30 player of all time. But I don't know, man. I just, I think if you make the argument for LeBron, it's got to be a statistical route. Yeah, I mean, it's, you, you've got to just because, I mean, especially with this, with the documentary that's come out, it just seems like the clutch gene and all that stuff, which you really can't measure in stats. You just, I mean, you literally have to have a debate with people. Like there's nothing you can do to define or prove a statistical point in the clutch gene. Like that's just something that you've got to watch in two players and then determine who's better. But I think what you said is right about, you know, LeBron and jumping ship and stuff like that. But I mean, the question for you is, don't you think that's what, I mean, that's how sports has evolved across the board in the past five to ten years, at least in my opinion. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, the sport has evolved the last five to ten years. And I think I think uh, a big factor in that is social media. I mean, these guys – I mean, look at Kevin Durant. He had a burner account. I think a lot of these guys probably had burner accounts. I think they care so much about what the fans perceive them to be um so that they they're so focused on winning i think the mindset is the same like i just said i think the mindset is the same from every athlete from the 90s to now they care about winning it's just the way to go about winning is completely different they want to take the easiest way there now because they're so self-concerned about their legacy that if they don't get a ring then they're going to be forgotten and so they want to go the easiest way to get a ring. I mean, look at Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's career. I mean, I'm not going to compare him like the same player as MJ, but when you really look at it, the the Oklahoma City Thunder could not get past the Golden State Warriors. They were up three one on Golden State. Obviously, blew the lead. Then the very next year, he joins the the defending champion Golden State Warriors to get a ring. That would be like MJ. Joining the Detroit Pistons, he can't get past the Pistons. So MJ goes, you know what, screw this. I'm just going to join them, and then we go from there. So, I mean, that's, I think, the most modern-day example that we could talk about is just Kevin Durant, instead of staying put at Oklahoma City, maybe getting another piece to add with Russell Westbrook like the Bulls did with Rodman eventually. I mean, 
that's kind of how – it was one of the first players I thought of. I was like, man, Kevin Durant, if you would have stayed, maybe you could have created and built your legacy even more. You know what I mean? Does that, does that comparison make sense? Yeah, I mean, but that's like – that's why I go back when I look at the whole LeBron and MJ thing. It's like I think the respect that I have for MJ is kind of why I favor him is that he didn't he didn't jump ship, especially if you were talking about with the Pistons. Like I know how frustrating that had to be for him, especially when you really don't have a whole bunch of guys around you. And I think that's why I favor him over LeBron because LeBron jumped ship. And I think that MJ Steady got stronger. And, you know, he's talking with their personal trainer about how, how impossible it is to put on muscle when you're burning as many calories as he is a day. But he still found a way to do it. He drove through it. And, I mean, he eventually got over the hump. And that's why I think just his mental aspect of the game and his ability and his drive to get better as a player and as a person, I think is kind of another aspect of the debate that I look at in a more – I guess serious manner now obviously a little of that is a bias because we haven't you know we haven't had a LeBron documentary you know we haven't exactly we haven't had that chance to hear it from him yet but I just think with me seeing what LeBron has done over his years and me being alive for all of it that it I can't help but to favor MJ in this situation just because of of his drive as a person and I think you know that was that was interesting to see on this on this documentary and I thought that you know when you look at all-time athletes and what they're doing from the mental aspect is such a big part of this too. Not just the physical, it's just, you know, it's tough. You know, they talked about him not even be able to go out of his room, you know, because people just swarm him. You know, how, how do these athletes handle their mental aspect? I think is a big part of this as well. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say exactly what you said about the, um, cause about the mindset and just, it's hard to compare MJ's mindset to LeBron's. I mean, we're, we're kind of guessing on LeBron. We, we know MJ's mindset now because of this documentary, but we don't have insight to LeBron or the same insight to LeBron's mindset that we do with MJ's right now. So it's, that's kind of, I'm trying to take those, you know, take that for granted, or, you know, kind of, I can't compare too much LeBron to Michael's mindset because I don't know LeBron's. We think we know LeBron's, but we also thought we knew MJ's and, you know, it, it's kind of funny. I was watching, you know, when Kobe said what he said, like when people, my fans try and compare Michael to me, I try and tell my fans, there's no Kobe, there's no five championships without Michael. And I think I'm a full believer in the Mamba mentality, but I think the Mamba mentality really probably originated with Michael Jordan. But Michael Jordan didn't need a quote unquote another brand, another slogan, because he had Air Jordan, he had Be Like Mike, he had Jumpman. But I really do think that originated in Michael. I mean, watching this and I see his mentality, it, it screams Kobe Bryant and the Mamba mentality. So I mean, with LeBron, I just don't know if he has that that same killer instinct. But their games are so different. LeBron is more of a pass first guy. He is. He looks to distribute. He wants to get his teammates involved. Um, and I think the argument can be made when Phil Jackson came in and introduced the triangle and took the ball out of MJ's hands. I mean, that was a, a career changer. What do you think? Like, Yeah, I mean, there's you, I mean, you've got to look at – I mean, there's a couple of phys, like, physical aspects you got to look at. Like, I think LeBron is obviously more superior when you look at his physical just presence. Like, he's a bigger guy. He's a stronger guy. Um, but then you've got to compare their games and then – you've got to say, well, how much of that is their fault compared to the way that the league has developed in the past 20 years? You know, like what, you know, MJ was more of a shoot first guy. LeBron was more of a pass first guy. I think that there's more athletes in today's NBA basketball than there was back then. Um, I think there's, there's more guys capable of scoring in this, you know, in this edition of NBA basketball in the years that we're on now compared to back then. But you just got to look at how the game's developed. And I think that's why it's so hard to compare these two guys because it's, you know, football, football is completely different. Basketball is completely different. Baseball is completely different. And, you know, we know all these things. So I think that's the hardest part of debating is when you look at stats, you're like, yeah, but he did it in this age. He did it in this age. How do you, how do you find the common ground right there knowing how different these games are? Yeah. That's why I think a lot of people's common ground is the rings. That's why, you know, the stats makes a ton of sense because, you know, you could make the argument, like you said, that MJ's 32 points per game and is a lot more, um, let's see, like just it, it's, it's more impressive to do that back then than it is to drop even 28 points now. 
you know, it's because it's a different era of basketball than it was back then. Tougher defense. Now we shoot more threes, get to the free throw line. I mean, today's basketball is three pointers, layups and free throws. I mean, it's it's kind of not fun to watch <laughs> at the same time. Um, but, yeah, that's how I that's how I kind of think about that stuff. What do you um? so what do you when talking about MJ and LeBron, we always talk about LeBron's help compared to MJ's help. MJ had Pippen, um, the first three, and then Robin, the last three. Who do you think, compared to those two guys and then LeBron having D-Wade, Chris Bosh, Kyrie, and Kevin Love? I'm not going to bring up Anthony Davis yet because we haven't seen them in the playoffs. Who do you think had the best supporting cast? Um, I mean, I think when you look at – I mean, you look at LeBron, you look at him in Cleveland, you look at him in Miami, um, it's – I mean that's hard. That's also hard to to look at because who was more who was more beneficial in their age of basketball? I mean, Chris Bosh was an outstanding player. Dwayne Wade was an outstanding player. But you know, did they did they provide the same caliber of help as you know Pippen and Rodman did in the eighties? And once again, we're back to the debate of um, which edition of basketball is is more impressive. And personally, I think that MJ's help was better than what LeBron had just for the fact of, I mean, he, he had some other guys too, some big bodies down there to help with rebounds. Um, Pippen and Rodman were both, in my opinion, I think they were really good defenders. Um, they were big bodies as well. So mm-hmm. I would lean towards MJ having the better help. Um, but still, I mean, like I said, you got to compare it, but I know that you're going to lean the other way. No, see, I, I, I completely agree. Cause I think MJ's help is better than, uh, LeBron's help. I think it's so overblown that LeBron has had so much help. And when you look at, when you break down the numbers, um, it's, it'll show you that, yeah, LeBron has had some help, but so has MJ. And then it comes down to, you know, pick your poison. I mean, when, and when uh, LeBron won his second title, I mean, D Wade averaged 15.9 points per game in the playoffs and Chris Bosch averaged 12.1. That's, that's his help right there. 15.9 and 12.1. I mean, that's that's not a lot of help at all. And you could say, well, Robin didn't score at all, blah, blah, blah. But Robin averaged 14 rebounds a game in the playoffs. Chris Bosh was sitting at seven. And then the next year, Chris Bosh was averaging 15 and six. So I think it's overblown because a lot of people think, okay, well, we're getting the Chris Bosh from Toronto. We're getting the D Wade that averaged 33 points a game the year before in the playoffs you're not getting those type of players. Um, obviously, they're great players in their own right, but I think it is overblown LeBron's help. Same thing with Kevin Love. Everybody thinks that LeBron had the 25 points and 18 rebounds a game, Kevin Love from Minnesota. Didn't have that. Now you can say LeBron turned him into a jump shooter, which he might have, but I think LeBron's best teammate in the playoffs so far was Kyrie Irving. Um, but, you know, also – when the Bulls got Dennis Rodman, they got a proven winner. He already won a couple championships with Detroit. So Rodman knew what it took. LeBron, the only teammate that he kind of – he got D-Wade. He was the only one with any prior championship success. And so I, 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 yeah, I agree with you. I think MJ had the better supporting cast, and it's overblown that LeBron does. I don't think a lot of people really look into the details – um, of yeah, that I, mean, I think another thing is like you can you can take what basketball is right now and there's a lot of a lot of teams that have a one-man wrecking crew at least in my opinion like I think that some teams have one superstar and he's just kind of have to he kind of has to roll with um, what he has and I think if MJ tried to do that back in the day of age how much more physical their basketball was he wouldn't have I mean he wouldn't have stood a chance you know just from the teams that he was going against like he wouldn't have stood a chance against Detroit you know, or anything like that. So I think that, mm-hmm. um, you know, a little, a little a benefit of what LeBron has been doing is I think that he hasn't had as good as help as MJ. And so, I mean, it is impressive what he's been able to do, but this is kind of the way the basketball is now, but yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Do you, um, do you care about the losses in the finals? No, I mean, you can't, I mean, it's NBA. I mean, any championship is, I mean, that's, Especially when you play seven games, like that is that is physical. It's a mental grind. You're on the plane all the time. You're getting back. You're traveling and everything like that. I, I mean, it is concerning to a, you know, 
a degree because people are like, oh, he's not a finisher, you know, or oh, he doesn't have, you know, he doesn't have the winning mentality. And um, I think I think that's mm-hmm. just wrong. I think that MJ definitely had the winning mentality. Um, more people are concerned about it in today's age. I think with LeBron, um, at least when he didn't win, um, which I think is a little odd. But I think that I think that MJ's um, track record in the playoffs and especially in the championship itself is very impressive just because of the physicality that he had to go through. Yeah, MJ's MJ's playoff record is pretty uh pretty perfect. Like just even I, I don't like the argument of a record in any sport, your finals record, your Super Bowl record. I don't care about that. It's I mean, you, if you get eliminated, you get eliminated. Would you rather be eliminated in the first round or eliminated in the finals? I mean, it, it, uh, okay, well, I'm going to – I'll rather be eliminated in the finals. But at the same time, I'm not going to use that as an argument for LeBron like a lot of people do. Oh, well, he went to seven straight finals because I know the Eastern Conference was a lot more rigorous back in the day than it, than it is when LeBron ran through it the last decade. You know what I mean? Because MJ, obviously, the Celtics earlier in, the, in his career, the Pistons, the Knicks. I mean, no, I, I don't like the fact that people will argue, well, LeBron's been, you know, to such and such finals, such and such finals in a row. That argument is stupid. That needs to be pushed out. We don't care about that. But at the same time, the other end of the spectrum, don't bring me LeBron's losses. I don't care about that either. MJ's won six. LeBron's won three. MJ's six finals MVPs. LeBron, three finals MVPs. I think it's closer the goat, the goat debate is closer right now. You can go either way, but I think if LeBron continues, you know, if he wins a championship this year, let's say he sneaks out that MVP, even though I don't think he deserves it. I think Giannis is the MVP of this year, and then I think LeBron can kind of start to I don't know separate himself, but I think we'll get more and more people hop on the LeBron um, bandwagon. It's I don't see any big time you know analysts and stuff like that picking. LeBron, which is telling because they've seen MJ and LeBron both. And the fact that a lot of them do side with MJ kind of does make me want to side with MJ. But I, I just, the recency bias about it, it just, I don't want to, I don't want to give into that. So I want to now segue a little bit in towards, you know, the coaching aspect. We don't necessarily know a ton about, you know, the X's and O's of basketball when it comes to coaching. But I do think another underrated part of the supporting cast of Michael Jordan was Phil Jackson. Now, don't get me wrong saying that I'm not trying to take any credit away from MJ, but having Phil Jackson has helped a ton or did help a ton. And when you look at, you know, LeBron's coaches, it, I mean, Phil Jackson, big time upper hand. What do you think? Do you agree with that statement? Mm, yeah. I mean, I think you would. I think you would have to give the nod to MJ as far as a coach being there and being a rock. I mean, when you when you have the same coach for an extended period of time, it becomes very clear that you create a very good relationship with them. You understand each other a lot more. And I think that's where you've got to side with, with LeBron on this one, being able to do what he did. And with, you know, I mean, he's had his shuffle of coaches come to in and out, you know, and I think with MJ having Phil there for as long as he did, and him, Phil putting his trust into MJ when it mattered most, um, that takes time. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of practice time. It takes a lot of game experience to kind of develop that relationship. And I don't think that's something that LeBron has had. Um, but, I mean, I would still favor to what MJ was able to do with a consistent coach. I still think MJ gets an odd there. But, I mean, what do you think as far as, as far as coaching and how that kind of goes into, you know, the decision that we're trying to get to? Well, I think the Phil Jackson, obviously he changed the scheme to a triangle and Michael Jordan did not like that at for, at first because um, it was taking the ball out of his hands. Um, but the more and more that NJ realized that, you know, he needed to get his teammates more involved and it wasn't just shoot, shoot, shoot. I mean, we saw MJ go from just a scoring champion to an NBA champion. I think one of the most telling things that MJ said was, I think it was in episode three, this was in the 1981 or 1991 season. He said that he wanted to get in the category of bird and magic, which was telling to me because MJ at that point was, you know, the best player in the NBA. And I think everybody knew that and there, nobody was going to argue that. But 
the fact that MJ's mindset was I'm not I'm not in the same realm as Magic and Larry Bird because he hadn't won a championship yet. That's kind of telling to where you know his mindset was right there. He was more of a a showman instead of a a champion. So I think Phil Jackson was able to hone in Michael Jordan, um, help him become a champion. But I also thought Phil Jackson was you know he had a unique philosophy and demeanor and. The fact that he was able to manage the players, give them off days um, when they deserved it. I mean, shoot, he let Rodman go to Vegas in the middle of a season. Could you imagine that yeah, now? I, I, yeah, the world would I mean, explode, I think, before something like that happens. But, I mean, that's just, that's just the way it was, man. Dude, okay, so real side sidetrack here. If there was one athlete that you could pick, it doesn't have to be basketball, that would need a trip to Vegas – who would that be? It would it would it would have been yeah, Antonio Brown. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, uh, AB. What's the, what's the AB. first one that comes to your mind? I've so, got another one too, and I think you might say him. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of how Robin was, Ooh, but I thought yeah. Gronk. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if Gronk really need I don't know. Can you imagine Bill Belichick going, Yeah, Gronk, go to Vegas yeah. real quick? Yeah, yeah right. Um. Yeah, that would never happen. Uh, I can't think of who, who's I mean, the other one you, you had in mind. I, the worst part, I don't know why it comes to mind, but I just think all NFL guys. Like, I think, I think, I think mm. Baker could use a trip to Vegas every once in a while. Um, I think that <laughs> I think when Des Bryant was playing, I think he could have taken a couple trips to Vegas. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's there's a lot of guys that come to mind. In my opinion, it's probably not a good thing for the NFL that I'm thinking that, but that's just. I mean, it's just you look at like. You look at their attitude, or not their attitudes, more of their off-field presence and what you see on social media is going to believe us to think that those guys would be inclined to do something like that. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some NBA guys that would do no, that. I can't. I can't really – I'm trying to think, like, any of the big-time players that would – that are, like, drama queens, but we don't have a ton of – I think that speaks to the physicality, too. I mean, we don't have any – yeah, but, I mean, play in the NBA to, get, to kind of get um, back on track here, one of the questions I had um, is, do you think LeBron is not a showman? You think he's more of a champion than a showman? Because personally, I think he's a showman, especially with the way that he jumped ship. He wants to be the guy. Um, well, see, I, I don't think him jumping ship, obviously the way he did, you know, the decision on ESPN, that's obviously showman. And, um, you know, I got to – you know, I want to make this all about me, blah, blah, blah. I think that's another part that's like LeBron could have handled a lot better, and he admits that. But I don't know if LeBron's – because I'm more talking about play style, and MJ's play style was more scoring champ. You know, I can jump 50 feet in the air. Um, all I care about is score, score, score. That That's what I mean by showman for MJ, you know, dunk contest, all that stuff. LeBron, I don't know. It's a good question, but I, I don't think his play style is a showman. Um, I don't know. I just – I think he's more – I think he's more of a championship-driven player, but I think – Do you, do you, I don't do know. you think yeah, that that's a, that's a good question. more but... or less titles if you deemed him to be a champion instead of a showman? Well, I think, well, I think it's part of the progression that MJ was a showman and he became a champion. I don't think – you know, I – there's no, I don't think there's any NBA player in the world or any athlete in the world that comes into their respective league immediately and is a champion. They make their mark by becoming a showman at first. One guy that comes to mind that was never a showman and became a champion was Kawhi, but Kawhi was sheltered. You know, he was in that Spurs environment. They had Tony Parker, they had Monty, they had Tim Duncan, they had Pop. So Kawhi was able to stay hidden for a while. Until, you know, he became a champion. But every other big-time player, I mean, look at Kevin Durant, the scoring titles he won before, before he came a, became a champion. Look at Golden State with Steph and Clay. I mean, they were the Splash Brothers. They were showmen before they became a champion. So I just think – I think it's a natural progression from showman to champion if you are surrounded by the correct coach, the correct supporting cast. But I don't think LeBron's a showman. I, Do you? Like his play, his actual play. I'm not talking what he does off the court, you know, with his brand, but his actual play style. You think it's more, hey, look at me. I'm LeBron James. I'm, I want to be the front center guy. Or I you mean, think it's, it's more about winning? I for would him say now? his 
on the court play is more champion driven. But then again, it's hard, especially with the day that we've grown up when we saw like, what was it called? The decision on ESPN, the two hour special. Like it's hard for me Mm -hmm. to get that out of my head, knowing that he wanted to be that center stage on ESPN. And it makes me feel like it to some degree that his off the court things bled into his, his on court play. Like, especially just like he wanted, he wanted to be that guy. He wanted everybody to see him on ESPN making the decision of what team he was going to next. And it's like, it's hard for me to get that image out of my head that he had to have that huge thing go on just for him to decide, Hey, I'm, I want to go win a championship in Miami. That's, that's the only thing that bothers me. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to separate the on and off field or on and off court things. But with, with that decision, that was just, that was a tough yeah, I mean, for me to, to swallow. I mean, I get that, but that's kind of like my point, like what I'm trying to, you know, make the argument for, like, he went from a showman because when he made that decision and it was all over ESPN and it was all LeBron, 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 he had not won a championship yet. So he was not a champion at that moment. You could make the argument, which I think we both are saying, that he was a showman back then. But when he became a champion, you know, he probably could have done the same thing when he returned to Cleveland or when he went to L.A. But I think he learned – and. With the spotlight that LeBron has been under and the social media spotlight throughout pretty much his whole career, the hype that he has had, I mean, he's done a pretty good job of being a role model, being, you know, staying out of the limelight in a negative way. I mean, really, when you look back on just from a basketball standpoint, the biggest thing I think that people point to is the decision. And LeBron has admitted he wished 100% he could redo that whole uh, part of his life. So I, I, I don't think that we should let that affect, you know, how we view him as a showman. Maybe he was back then. But, I mean, what do you think? What what defines a showman on the court for you? Like, or in any sport? Like, what is a showman that I can give you right now for a showman, at least in my opinion, the past couple of years, before um, he went to Houston, was Russell Westbrook, especially in Oklahoma City. I think if you had if you had set a gold standard of showman, I mm-hmm. think that that he was the guy. Um, just just the way that he played, and he, I mean, yeah, MJ was ball, 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 score, 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 too, mm-hmm. just like Russell was, especially in OKC. But um, I think just the environment that Russell created around him was so negative, and I don't think LeBron has had anything to that degree. Um, but then again, I mean, Russell was absolutely stranded out there. I mean, like it was. He had nobody. And at least, you know, LeBron had some people to kind of help him. But I think that he Westbrook's a good example of somebody who would be a showman. Yeah, I think I think another good one is, is his new team, teammate is Harden. I think he's always been. That's why he doesn't win, win in the playoffs. Um, I think, you know, one guy that comes to mind that is going to be, you know, he already is top four player in the NBA. I love Giannis. I think his mentality is I want to be a champion. And obviously, you know, the MVP and the individual accolades are, are fine and nobody's going to deny those. But, I mean, just watching him in the All-Star game the past two years, I mean, you can see, like, I, I want this isn't an exhibition to me. Like, I want to show you guys that I'm, I'm the best player. And I think over time – I hope Giannis doesn't jump ship to, you know, and they're already talking L.A. and Golden State two years from now. I hope he doesn't do that. I hope he stays in Milwaukee because I think he can, he can turn into an all-time great if he, uh, if he stays on the course. And he's yeah, gone. but I mean, don't you, don't you feel like, um, that, like all this jumping ship thing that especially is going to become a big thing in these next couple of years, don't you think that's just dam- damaging the guy's careers, at least like when you look at, I mean, obviously you're chasing championships, but I just feel like, there's something about staying and creating a team that I love so much that this jumping ship thing is just going to, it gets out of hand. And for my, at least in my personal opinion, it kind of damages, you know, the, not the importance of the championship, but kind of like just the way that they got it. Like it, it rubs me wrong for the some for some reason. Well, I think what happened was, which was, you know, the Celtics were the first team that really, went out and traded for a big three because uh, the Bulls, you you know, they had a big three, but they, I mean, MJ was drafted by the Bulls. Scotty was drafted um, by the Bulls and already drafted by what was it, the Trailblazers and they, you know, got his rights. 
but they only signed Robin. I think the Celtics, when they, you know, went out and traded for KG, went out and traded for Ray Allen, that kind of set the tone for a landscape. Um, and then, so, but then you look at Golden State, drafted Curry, drafted Clay Thompson. I don't mind if you draft a, a superstar team, but I agree. I don't like the big threes. Definitely don't like the big four that Golden State had, but I do like the tandem. I think I, I you could make the argument that the Bulls were more of a big two. You know, I I know Robin was spectacular defensively, un, probably the best rebounder ever, but you could make the argument that you know Scotty and MJ were you know just a little bit head and shoulders above Robin. So I like when NBA at is at right now. I was so excited for all these you know teams of two. LeBron, AD, Kawhi, and PG, um, who has a Russell Westbrook, James Harden. I mean, there's so many duos. I love the duo era that we're in. But I agree. I think, you know, the big three and the, the big four era that hopefully we're, we're out of, I didn't like It was like bad that. for basketball. I, I, in my opinion. It was yeah, bad. I, I mean, I got tired yeah, of it is. in Golden State I, in the finals. Like, that just – that was – it drove me up a wall. Yeah, it's – one of the, the biggest things is that before season starts in any league, NBA, NFL, uh, MLB, NHL, whatever, if you can sit down before season and tell me exactly who's going to be in the championship every year, the league is in a terrible spot, especially for a regular season standpoint. I think every sports fan loves playoffs, so we'll tune into the playoffs. Um, but from a regular season standpoint, we, there's no – there's no point in, in watching the regular season because we know who's going to end up in the end game. And this year, when I sat down, I was like, that's why I was so excited about the NBA. I didn't know who was going to be in the championship. You can make arguments for any, any team, that any of the big five teams from the East and the West you can make an argument for. And so I'm glad we're, we're more into that this era now because I, I hated the Golden State. It was fun at first. But the Golden State Cleveland, you know, times four was pretty dry. And that's why, honestly, college football hopping into that segment, you know, even as a Bama fan, it's getting a little dry for me because Bama Clemson every year. And, you know, I was already looking at some projections for this year. It looks like Bama Clemson, Ohio State. And then it seems like it's always those three and then a fourth team that comes in. And, and it's been Oklahoma. So I completely agree. I don't like the that aspect and I'm glad it's changing. So let's see here. Let's talk about, um, so this past episode, MJ's, you know, reputation was, it started talking about his gambling problem and he said he didn't have a gambling problem. He's got a, a competition problem, which was a funny quote. Um, do you think that played any effect on them winning it all in 93? Because that's, that was the year what yeah. was it? they fell down two out of the Knicks. And that's when you know the scrutiny started happening. You think you think that played into effect of how you know it motivated MJ uh, to go win a third title? It would be very easy to say yes, but I, I mean I don't think one. I mean I I think that he was yeah, just such so. a competitive guy. I mean you run into guys like that ever you know every so often in your life, but you know mm-hmm. that they're gonna wake up the next morning and they're gonna give it everything they have. And I think that MJ did that. I don't think that um, he had a an off the field issue. I mean it's I mean you got to understand like it's, it's hard. It's easy for people to scrutinize until you put yourself in that, in your shoes or in their shoes and understanding that, you know, the expectation of what that guy has. I mean, you saw it in the last episode, the last couple of episodes that he enjoyed sitting on his couch, smoking a cigar because the second he walked out the hotel door, he was mobbed, you know? So you gotta, you've got to put yourself in their shoes Mm -hmm. before you're so easy to scrutinize people for their, for their off field issues. And I don't think he had any off, off the court issues. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think the Atlantic City trip was a little bit concerning, but when it comes to golf and that type of stuff, I think that was purebred competitive, you know. And, and then MJ just he, MJ had all the money in the world, like he, like he said, uh, David Aldridge said, you know, you know, ten thousand or I forgot yeah, the 10, quote. But basically, MJ had a lot more money than us. Ten dollars to us. And yes, that's that's what I was looking for. Um, and so I kind of agree, agree with that. And MJ, when he played golf, I can see it now with just how competitive he was. He wanted to, he was so competitive, the more money that he would put on it, the more, you know, his competitive juices got flowing. 
So I think that's a great quote from MJ. I think it's kind of, I don't know if it's sad. I mean, it can be a sad type of a way to live, but I think that was it. He was just addicted to competitive nature and he loved it. He loved getting the juices flowing. Um, So, yeah, that's what I think about that. I think that was it was overblown. I think the media had, had didn't have anything to go against MJ. So when they finally got something, they ran with it, and they tried to yeah, make I it mean, something it was bigger than it like, was. There's so many people um, in this world who would be like, "Man, I wish I could, you know, I wish I could be as famous as this person. I wish I could have as much money as this person has." And then you watch something like that, and then you realize like that's the life that you have to live. Um, I think that it puts it puts a lot of people's perspective like in check as far as um, what it's like to live that kind of lifestyle. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, no. What is so? You know, kind of jumping in, we're jumping around this MJ timeline, kind of like the actual documentary. I mean, the timeline's wild, going from '98 to '76 to. 83 to 88 to 84. But anyways, so when the dream team was formed in 92, you know, they left Isaiah Thomas off the team, which was, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty petty. I didn't know that, uh, you know, Isaiah had more beef with the other players as well, uh, which makes it more, makes more sense. Cause if it was just MJ that was, like, I don't want Isaiah Thomas on the team. I mean, it would make sense cause MJ is the most powerful person in the NBA, but what do you think when the Bulls beat the Pistons and the Pistons didn't shake their hands? How do you like? How did you portray it when you first first saw it? Were you like, "Oh, go for the Pistons"? No, oh, no, that's coward. I mean, you know, that's, what what that's, were your thoughts? It's a, it's a coward move, and it's just it's it's disrespectful to sports in general. I mean, you you don't. I mean, I know NBA player or MLB players don't shake hands anymore, but that's just kind of how the game developed, and you know they do it at the college level, still they do it at the high school level, like you still got to show respect to the other team you're playing. I mean, you're out there competing. I get it. But when that, I mean, when the buzzer goes off, I think it's disrespectful to not at least just go shake their hands. I mean, it it was, I, I, I did not like that at all. And I don't know if that's from, you know, the way that I was raised that you, at the end of the day, it, I mean, it's obviously could be more than sports, but it is sports and you congratulate the other team for winning. I don't, I didn't like the, I didn't like the way that they handled that. Dude, they left yeah, with the other, seven seconds like the on the court. Over. There was some, I mean, <laughs> I I think it was complete disrespect, especially how the Bulls had lost to the Pistons the previous two years. Um, and MJ, you know, MJ said, like, you think I wanted right. to shake your hands after we lost? No, but I still did it. Now, from a, you know, fan standpoint now, it's kind of uh, excited. I like to see the uh, – just that hatred, and I can't believe it's still going on. I mean, MJ's hatred for Isaiah Thomas is pure and alive today. And I wonder if Isaiah Thomas, like his character on TV that we see on NBA TV and even in these interviews, he seems so soft-spoken. And it's like, it's hard to imagine him being that type of player. But obviously, I don't think they should have done it. But it's it is enticing that they did do it, which gives us a lot of stuff to talk about. I think it just pissed MJ off a little more. Um, I I mean, you the Pistons. Do you think the Pistons made yeah, MJ everybody, into what everybody MJ that has became? become or that becomes elite, at least in professional sports? There's always that one team that gives you a hiccup, or always that one team that just drives you up a wall. And for him to finally be able to come over that mountain and then just go on an absolute tear after that. I think that like, I think the Pistons really drove him into the player that he was, especially like, you know how it is. I mean, even in real life, you work for something so hard and you can't get there and then you finally get over it. And all of a sudden everything else just seems to lighten up and easing up and you could just really go after what your goals are. I think that's kind of the situation that the Pistons kind of laid out in front of MJ. Yeah. Who do you think who do you think that team was uh, for LeBron? Yeah. I think it was the Celtics. I mean, it would have to be, at least in my opinion. That's who I think it would be. Yeah, I think I think it would be the Celtics as well. I, I still wish it would have been it would have been so much more comparable stayed in Cleveland, stayed man, in, but in my opinion at least. 
you think we would view it different if he stayed in Cleveland and D Wade and Bosch went to Cleveland Ooh. instead of Miami? No, I, mean, I that's know it yeah, sounds I mean, stupid really to ask, but I think that yeah, I think you would. I mean, think of think of how you would compare it if if MJ yeah. left, you know, left the Bulls, and you know, it's just I think it would. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's not really. I I think it's a good point because first of all, if that happened, he, he probably doesn't make the decision. I don't know. He might still do the decision and say he's coming to Cleveland. And then also, you know, another thing that we forgot to mention was the not one, not two, not three, not four, not five. That was that was stupid. I just think LeBron was excited. I think he knew that they had the best team. I mean, I remember when they announced it, I was thinking, like, NBA 2K and how fun that team is going to be to play with because that was before, like, the whole my career thing was big. And, yeah, that's a side note, but that was – I was looking forward to that. I was, I've always been a big LeBron fan, and I've always been, you know – defend LeBron, defend LeBron, because I just think from an overall standpoint, I think his defense is very underrated, not necessarily now, because he is 35 years old and he's got to save some of his energy. But when you look at his you know, his defensive shares and you look at more of the advanced analytics, LeBron's actually pretty close, actually somewhat better than MJ when it comes to a defensive standpoint. But if you just look at defensive player of the years and all, all NBA d- defensive teams, then you can get suckered into thinking MJ was the better defender. And it's necessarily not the case. So, you know, that's yeah, I mean, another interesting you, thing to point out. How do you look out. at defensive players from but, the ni- early 90s to 2020, at least in my opinion, or even the mid-2000s? See, you can make the argument that defense is harder to play now because if offense is easier now – that means yeah, I see that, but I harder. also think that offense is easier because the you know? defense is easier. Because the defense is more laid back. That's that would be my argument. Is I I think mm, guys just don't okay. play defense, so it's easier to score. I mean, if they truly wanted to stop Trey Young, they would pick him up at the half court line, but they don't, and he pulls it from the Peachtree logo, and it's you know like how do you justify that? Yeah. Well, I also think too. I mean, I mean, look at how easy it was to play defense back in the 90s. I don't want like to say the term easy, but they had rules where you could pretty much just tackle MJ. You know, when he left the paint, uh, well, we're just going to clothesline him. I mean, the, you, if yeah. you did that now, yeah. it's flagrant two, you're suspended for six games. So you just yeah. can't be as physical wish as you back. could be back then. And I, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't want anybody hurt like that, but I do too. I wish, I wish they'd let him play a little more. I'm just so tired I mean, the mid-range game is an art. When you watch MJ do it, when you watch Kobe do it, when you watch Dirk did it, Kevin Durant, when he did it back early in his career, I mean, I love the mid-range game. I think that's that takes the most skill. That's why it's probably, you know, it, it's not the most efficient shot because it takes the most skill. Three-pointer, you know, it's you're pretty much at the same distance. You know, obviously you got Trey Young, Steph Curry, who shoot from all over the court. But I just I miss the mid range game, man. I really do. Even the even the pick and pop with like AD and Kevin Kevin Garnett, Kevin Love back when he was in Minnesota. I mean, it was the pick and pop mid range shot. Now it's the pick and pop three point shot. So I don't no, like I don't like where do you like the style play as now? a whole right now. I mean, there's I think there's a whole slew of problems that you could go with, but no, I agree with you. So hopefully next – I don't know. I didn't watch the trailer for the next episode. I don't know no, if you did, but did, – did you watch the trailer? Yeah, I didn't either because it said it was going to get a sneak peek on SportsCenter. I turned that off. Um, but I hope they talk a little bit about the baseball segment and what what his thought process really was about that, what he thinks about baseball. It would be kind of cool to hear, hear his thoughts of what the minor leagues and, you know, just the grind of baseball compared to the grind of basketball. Um how many titles do you think they could have they could have won know. if he stayed? I don't know. That's that's how I mean. You got to factor a lot of things into it: age and um, the whole Phil Jackson thing. I don't. That, there's no telling how many he could have won. I don't know if you know he would have won another one. Um, and it's kind of the same thing with LeBron. I don't. I mean, to be completely honest, I don't know if he's going to win another title. 
in my opinion. I mean, he's 35 years old. I I don't know. I think this. I think the league's getting uh, a lot more competitive than it was when he was younger. Yeah, um, I think this was LeBron's best chance um, this year because, like you said, next year, this December, he'll turn 36. The only way I could see them being – I mean, they'll be title contenders next year because I don't see LeBron falling off a cliff. Um, I think he will gradually get worse. But um, that's just with same thing with any player. But I think, yeah, I think this is LeBron's best shot unless they add a third piece, like a full-blown third piece next year. I don't know who that would be. Like, if they went out and got Giannis two years from now, like a lot of people were talking about, then LeBron will be carried by yeah, Anthony Davis like you and Giannis can, then you can when he's argue 38 that, years old. You know, how much of the so, titles are really going to look into because the dude's going to be 37, 38 years old. And Giannis is the, the next best, I think, going to be the next best oh, player yeah. that comes after I mean, LeBron. I, so. I mean, how much of that is Giannis literally backpacking LeBron to a championship? Yeah. That's why when you make the argument for in any, especially NFL, NBA, like Super Bowls, Super Bowls are great, but it, it is, and NBA titles are great, but it is a team sport. So show me, and this, it does, this award correlates with championships, obviously, but show me finals MVPs, show me Super Bowl MVPs. Because that tells me if you were the best player on that team during the championship. And so to your point, let's say LeBron wins two championships at 38 and 39 because he's got Giannis and Anthony Davis carrying him and he doesn't win finals MVPs, then that that's fair because like I just said, I don't look at just finals championships. MJ went six for six, finals champ, champion, and then six finals MVPs. LeBron's three for three right now, but if he wins two more and stays yeah, at three right. – I'm only going to look at that finals MVP numbers. That makes sense. Yeah. So, well, I mean, like I said, we were just going to talk about the last dance today because we haven't talked about it yet, guys. We're going to be on a consistent schedule um, starting this upcoming Monday. Which, what is it? That'll be the 11th. So every Monday, that's what we're going to be um, releasing new episodes. And the more we grow, the more we will. Uh, you know, we might think about doing two two days a week instead of just one day a week. But just want to let you guys know that's what we are looking to do uh, every Monday from here on out. Uh, next Monday, I'm sure we'll talk about The Last Dance, Episode 7 and 8. We'll talk about other stuff in the sports world that we didn't get to talk about today. And, yeah, we no, will I mean, see I, you guys then. Matt, do you have any cool closing remarks? About, especially because um, the only thing we've got to look forward to is Korean baseball. Um, so, no, I'm not watching that. I'm not. No, I'm not staying up till 1 a.m. No, I don't. I don't know a single guy. I don't know a single guy on any of those teams. So no, I rather just talk about this. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not gonna watch that at all. Like especially one in the morning. Look, I. I love baseball, but I'm. I'm not. I'm more of a statistical driven guy. Like I, you can make the argument for me that the reason I like watching sports is I like the statistics behind it all. So I don't care about any of these guys historically. So it's just. It's been to add that in with the time and when I am, I'm not watching it. Don't care that much. But, all right, guys, we will see you next Monday. And, yep, peace.